What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Oh, there he was. Oh, baby. Can we go back to Friday when Peter King and I did the heavy lifting on understanding the latest developments between Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? The report emerged on Thursday that the Cardinals have not made an offer to Murray. His agent, Eric Burkhardt, has withdrawn an offer that he had made earlier. And Peter pointed out that, you know, this notion that Kyler Murray is not going to play under his current contract, which pays out $5.5 million for 2022, that's something that Peter had written six weeks ago, that this isn't some new thing. Yeah. And so many times in our business, things get repackaged and repurposed, and we're, we're experiencing that pretty much every day with the Tom Brady and Miami talk. I still get asked. It happened again yesterday. I did radio yesterday morning. And wait, wait, what's your take on this Tom Brady in Miami? Well, let me tell you what my take is. Let me take you back to February 28th when on PFT Live, we're the first ones to talk about it. That's what our take is. Good Lord. I know. Um, anyway, uh, so Peter had, had been out there for weeks right. on Murray not playing under the $5.5 million. Okay, that's one thing. The challenge is, what do you replace it with? That's where I think they're going to have the impasse. Yeah. And the Cardinals are trying to delay it. I reported in the aftermath of everything on Thursday that they want to take care of him in the summer. Well, Eric Burkhart wants to know if there's going to be an impasse, let's figure it out now. If we're not going to be able to work something out, let's figure it out now so we can come up with some alternative. Instead of the Cardinals just kind of hoping that, you know, if they slow play it long enough, Kyler will just say, okay, fine, I'll play for what you want me to play for. I won't try to get more from you or from someone else. That seems to be what's going on right now, and Burkhardt is frustrated. And Kyler, even though if a microphone's in his face, he's going to say all the right things, he's got to be frustrated by it as well that the Cardinals are dragging their feet on this. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the guy, kind of guy that, that's going to play around, Kyler Murray. I think that's the big thing. And then, too, like, if you're going to take that stands with Arizona and you hear that, like, well, well, what's the difference, really? Like, maybe you know something I don't. Maybe I've missed something. But, like, what's the difference I have between a f- doing now and summer? You're just hoping it, it, it just tempers down, like you said, to where you just kind of – 
okay, we calmed it down, and now it's not as urgent, and we don't have to do well, it right well, now, or what? Well, because if the Cardinals would offer him between 30 and $35 million a year, and that is just my – I don't want to say it's like wild guess, but it's informed by the market. We show that graphic all the time that shows the spread between the top 10 quarterbacks. It's like $20 million. Yeah. So – you got the Cardinals, I would assume, in the range of 30 to 35. You've got Burkhart, who may be looking top of market or beyond because he's got to be thinking, where's this puck moving? Where's the cap going? Where's the market going? If I do a $45 million a year deal now, am I going to be thinking, God, I left, I left meat on the bone in in 2025 right yeah i was i wrote something yesterday about russell wilson's contract and i started doing the salary cap at 10 percent increases every year it gets to 300 million if it increases by 10 percent a year for the next four years it gets to 300 million by 2026 so you got to be thinking not just where the market is now but where it's going the cardinals are thinking where does this guy fit in the current market in yeah. light of his skill set injury history so i think the cardinals would rather them not reach an impasse at a time when Kyler Murray would have a potentially viable option elsewhere. We get to July or August. Is they're getting ready for training camp? Who's going to trade for him? Yeah, that's right. You're definitely limited. Everybody else's roster's set. Right. Now you got the Carolina Panthers. You've got, I don't know, I don't, that's the thing. I don't know who else, because I keep hearing what you said weeks ago after the, the Cardinals lost so badly to the Rams in the playoff game. There are going to be teams out there that would never want Kyler Murray right. on their you're roster. You're hearing that. Right, right. Agreed. No, you're, you're, you, you said that. Yeah, you, I, did. I know. You I, know. Said I'm just, that. I thought you said you but were hearing that too. I'm not but, hearing yeah. that. Okay, no, no, no. Yeah. My point is that's a valid concern here. Yeah, this isn't, for sure. hey, Aaron Rodgers may be available. Exactly. Go see what you can do to put together an offer to get Aaron Rodgers. Right. This is, hey, Kyler Murray may be available. Well, sorry, but Kyler Murray's not our cup of tea. There's yeah. going to be a certain portion of the league right out of the gates that says we're out. I so agree. that's going to limit his options. A hundred percent. That's you know, yeah. You're. We've discussed that a lot, and that that to me, I, I mean, I know there's teams out there that are like that. That just period. There's no way a guy that size with those attributes is going to be the quarterback of their football team. There's teams that are going to have him canceled out that way. Uh, the Panthers, as crazy as they are for the aggressive nature for that quarterback, they could be a team that is scary here with Kyler Murray and trying to steal him. Definitely the Seahawks. We I don't think that's happening. Lions. I don't know. You know, again, it's the New Orleans staff. They're used to maybe the smaller quarterback and get the ball out of his hands quickly. Maybe there'd be some, you know, love there. I don't know either way. But yeah, there's got to be a sweet spot here. I would think with money. You know, as far as like what you're talking about, but um, I, I think the biggest thing here is, you know, one Kyler Murray. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to play around, and I certainly don't fault him for wanting the new contract. I don't. I mean, I understand it. You got to play hardball this day and age in the NFL. It's time to do it, and he's definitely one of the best players on their football team, and he does does have some elite qualities about him as a player. But there are question marks. And, Mike, you wrote an article on Thursday or Friday. You know, first off, you know, put up the list there as far as what the quarterbacks are making, guys, uh, Kristen or Courtney, if that's okay. Because, uh, you know, Kyler Murray, first off, this is not Josh Allen. This is not Lamar Jackson. Jackson. This is not Patrick Mahomes. This is not like slam dunk top five quarterback. We're going to do whatever we got to do to make this happy guy. I, d- I don't think. Mike, you wrote an article the other day about Derek Carr and where he sits in the NFL hierarchy as far as pecking order and quarterbacks. I mean, you look at this list right here. 
I mean, he's we're going to put Kyler Murray below Russell Wilson, right? And that group there, I'll put him in front of Jared Goff and Cousins and Wentz. But, I mean, of course, we don't have Herbert and Joe Burrow on that list there either. So then you push him down behind those guys. And my point of what I'm getting to here is I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in football right now or he's dancing right around that. He's not to the point where I guess what I'm saying, Mike, is if you're an organization, you just go, we'll do whatever he says and whatever he wants and whatever. Like Mahomes, Allen, you do that for. Well, we're going to make it work. I, I, I think there's legitimate questions for Arizona to think, to think about here with this a little bit. I do. There's an urgency from Murray's perspective. It's, it could be driven by the fact that, you know, he's he's maybe prone to injury. He's not real big. You better seems get his like bag it. while he can. Yeah. Because really, time's on your side, typically for a quarterback. Time's on your side here. And the longer that this goes, you're going to get more guys getting deals. You mentioned Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Those are going to be more data points that yeah. maybe push the market up for Kyler Murray. Russell Wilson's next deal. I saw somebody suggest that the Derek Carr contract is the starting point for Russell Wilson. His agent, Mark Rogers, is going to laugh at the Derek Carr contract. Yeah. Deshaun Watson is the starting point for the Russell Wilson contract whenever the next one is done. $46 million a year for five years, fully guaranteed. Don't even bother to start the discussion, George Payton, with Mark Rogers, unless you're coming to the table with that as your minimum. I guarantee you, Derek Carr, if you bring up Derek Carr, Mark Rogers is going to laugh in your face right. if you're the Denver Broncos. Right. So, um, so you get Wilson's deal. That's a nice you know, So, and we, we don't know what Lamar Jackson's doing, but if this goes year to year and he ends up forcing his way to free agency like Kirk Cousins, you know, that's an option available to Kyler Murray as well. I just feel like he wants it now, and that's the same reason the Cardinals are hesitant. I'm sure they'd love to give it another year. I think you're year. onto something. I think you're, I, I, I get the same, I think you have the same feeling I do. I have the feeling that Kyler Murray in their camp is like, wait, I'm small. He's getting injured. We don't want that. Let's get the protection right now. And I also get it to like to like we were kind of referring to before, too, of like, wait, maybe not that many teams are really going to like Kyler Murray if it does come down to free agency. So let's get the contract right now. Because I don't, I don't think, again, like, we, like you laid out pretty perfectly. I think really, like if the slate was clean, there's only a handful of teams in football that are going to want Kyler Murray as a quarterback, period. I don't think, you know, with just too many old school believe in the size and other things. And, of course, the playoff game that we watched this year, you know, that, that's going to scare the teams that might have been on the fence. They're going to definitely go off the fence with that one and go, wait. I mean, he looked like not that he was 5'10 out there, that he looked like he was 4'10 out there in the pocket. I mean, he, he was getting smothered. He couldn't do anything in the game. He couldn't make any throws with the, the pressure bearing down and people about to hit him to make a throw down the middle of the field. That's going to scare teams, and I almost feel like Eric, the Kyler Murray's camp got scared in itself. It was like, you know, we better get our money now because we don't know where the hell this is going to go. I just weird feeling like that. When you remove the high-end mobility yeah. from the equation, mm -hmm. that that's when he becomes ordinary. And I... I but but when you can't pull it down and disappear when that starts to happen, and we don't know how bad the ankle injury yeah, was. Yeah, I know. That's right, too. But right. I have a feeling the ankle was still an issue yeah. all year long. Mm -hmm. And I admire the guy for playing through it. He missed some time, and, and he came back and played. But when you have an opening to run and you're not taking it, that's when you become 
guy who looks like he's 4'10", even though he's 5'10". Exactly. You have to be able to zip away from guys like that when they're closing in on you in the end zone. So I think that's part of the problem. And, Chris, this is where there's some overlap with his very close friend, Baker Mayfield. Because, and I think you and I may have touched on this last week when we were talking about the Mayfield dynamics. I can't remember if we did or we didn't. Yeah, we did a little. But Kyler Murray's hearing it from, he's got to be hearing it from Baker Mayfield. Hey, man, you got to protect yourself. Look, look what I did. I didn't get my contract before my fourth year. I got injured week two. I played all year. They've crapped on me because, like, I'm all of a sudden a bad quarterback because my shoulder was injured and it, and I couldn't play right, but I kept playing and I didn't make any excuses. And look at what went on with you last year. You injure your ankle week eight at the end of the game against the Packers. You're never the same the rest of the year. Yeah. And and they think you suck now because of it, even though it was because you had an injury. You 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 know, you're going to put a lot of eggs in that basket to go out there and have a strong fourth season because if you do get injured at some point along the way, then you're going to be like me in 2023 where you're a man without a country because the card will maybe go out and find somebody else. Sure. I, 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 I wouldn't doubt that that's, you know, on his radar that way or they've had those conversations a little bit, text messages, whatever. How could you not? You know, they're, they're in the same boat together to a degree. So you're always, when you're in that scenario, looking at other guys in the league that are, you know, somewhat similar to you, the situations they're going through, and you try to learn from them. So, yeah, I'm sure that does scare Kyler Murray. It does. You know, added with the, you know, the, the aspect of, you know, again, he's going to look at it and go, wait, I was the number one pick of your football team. We have gotten better as a team. We are, like, like relevant here the last two years like they're relevant even though they went to the playoffs only once in the last two years they were a story throughout the year we talked about them you know so he's going to be able to look at that and then he's also going to go wait in this offense you got and the coach you hired oh man they're they're all because of me oh gosh I got you and that's where he does have power and that's where it's going to be dicey for Arizona to slow play this and make sure they don't piss him off too much that is the the ultimate both sides right snapshot of America you can say wow Kyler Murray has turned around a crap team yeah that was lost without him lost in the wilderness without him or you can say you know Kyler Murray starts strong every year and then I know it all falls apart yeah Hale Murray play the signature moment of his career the win over the Bills that throw he was looking at the sideline when he let go of that ball that became the touchdown pass that beat the Bills. I remember talking to him on the phone after that game. Amazing moment. What happened the rest of the year? Cardinals fell apart. Last year, he's the MVP favorite halfway through the season. Has the ankle injury. They start losing games. Next thing you know, 10-2 and two becomes had to worry about getting into the playoffs. And then when they got there, they, they were one and done in an embarrassing way. So... Yeah. You know, you can say, hey, he's made this team relevant, or you can say, "Yeah, why can't they finish the job? Right. So uh, th- that it makes it hard. It makes it hard to peg the number, you know? And, yeah, I think the Cardinals are willing to pay him. But re- remember we talked a few weeks ago about the Joe Thomas report that the Browns would have paid Baker Mayfield $30 million a year. Yeah, yeah. And they, they would have. Well, oh, it was never offered. No, it was never offered because you never sat down to have the conversation because right. there's no point having the conversation when Mayfield's at 40 
and the Browns are at 30. Yeah. If they would have had the conversation all the way through to completion, yeah, he gets $30 million a year, but he shouldn't have taken it last year. I, we would have said, if the Browns are willing to pay him 30, we'd have said, Baker, don't take it. We'd have said that. I, would, I, I definitely would have said that. Yeah. And, and so I could see the same thing playing out here. The Cardinals would put a number on the table right now that would be far lower than what Eric Burkhart wants. And how do you get them or someone else to pay more? And that's the other side of it too, Chris. If you're trading for him, you got to give up a bunch of picks yeah. to get the Cardinals to even do it. If they would even consider it, you got to give them a bunch of picks and you got to be willing to pay the guy dramatically more than what the Cardinals are paying him. It's the Tyree kill dynamic. It is like the Dolphins swoop right. in. They give up all this stuff and they pay him more than the team that knows him better than anyone will pay him. Okay. Dolphins. Hey, fine. If it works for you, more power to you. But you're going to have to find a team that loves that's, Kyler Murray enough it. to do that. That's it. And to me, that's where it's a little different. Where if I'm Arizona, I might, business might be open to a degree. I'm, it's going to be open. Like I, where I look at it, like with Josh Allen and Mahomes and, you know, Herbert and Burrow, I'd go, you can't, we're not, you can't trade. You can't, can you give me your whole team? Then I'll make the trade. Because, like, I'm not trading those guys no matter what. Like, it's just not. Kyler Murray, as good as I think he is, and of course he does have special talents, we do have questions. And I do think that if I was running Arizona, I wouldn't be like I would be if I had Mahomes or Josh Allen. I'd be like, don't even answer the phone. We're not even, there's no right. point in ever doing it. Didn't we do a draft of the untouchable guys I think, not that long I ago? I think we did. You think you read it? Kyler Murray wasn't even I don't a think consideration. We took, I don't think we did either, exactly. I don't think he was safe. So I would like, if Carolina calls you and blows you out of the water, you know. Kyler Murray, hey, we like you, but we're not definitely sold. We're willing to commit $45 million a year for you, you know, the next five years. Well, then, then okay, I'm open for business. I don't think this is like a closed, you know, shut door conversation as much as those top guys that we've referred to. Murray's got two years left under contract if, as expected, the Cardinals pick up the fifth-year option. That deadline is coming up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, so, you know, he's got a longer path to yeah. wherever things would go. And at some point, and, and he's still got the baseball option. We don't hear that very often, but he does have the baseball option. It's not like he walks into the middle of center field and starts for the Oakland A's right out of the gates. But if he does get exasperated with football, that's something he could always do. And that would be a way to, maybe that's, maybe that's why they want to bring it to a head now. Maybe if, Maybe if he's not happy with the bottom line offer that the Cardinals make, he goes and plays baseball. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's it's out there. It always is. I feel like anytime you read an article about the situation, somebody at least adds that sentence in there. Uh, but yeah, I, he's I know. the only guy in the NFL with that option. Yeah, that's right. To go play another sport at a high level. Yeah. No, I I, I get it. I I understand it. And I, if I was him, I'd probably use it to threaten my team too to help me get you know more security. I I understand. Hey, remember. That remember I, Russell Wilson would do it every spring until he yeah. got his contract. Go go play second base with the, the Rangers or whoever it was. Debo Samuel and, and yeah, Debo Samuel and AJ Brown. They'd like to have that option right now and go. Hey, you know, I'm not sure if I want to go play wide receiver until you pay me. <laughs> well, and that was a report that hit this morning, and I'm sure it wasn't a coincidence. Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin. They're not going to be. They're not expected to be involved in on-field work during the offseason as they want to get their next contracts. That's not a surprise. I don't expect them to be on the field in training camp. I expect each of them to do the T.J. Watt hold-in until they get their contracts. The question is, when will the 49ers pay Samuel? When will the Titans pay Brown? And when will the Commanders pay McLaurin? And I think it's smart. to. We said that last week about Debo. Don't set foot on a field 
until you get your next contract. Uh, agreed. I, definitely not. I mean, I understand all three of them, uh, and there's their stands there, especially, again, Debo Samuel, just because of the aggressive nature and physicality in which he plays the position and then what he's asked to do on top of that. I mean, again, this is the best team or one of the best teams in football, and they use him constantly. And in every big moment, this is how they use him right here. Oh, it's a big moment. Shanahan goes, put him a tailback. Put him a tailback. It's a big moment. Put him a tailback. It's a big moment. Throw him a screen. Let him get, you know, he's going to go through some car crashes. So what? He's awesome. He's Debo Samuel. So that's to where Debo, in my opinion, has to really protect himself that way. A.J. Brown, not far off from that as well. And then Terry McLaurin, I mean, of course, come on. He's the best player on the Washington offense. That's not even close. So I understand all three guys here and their their arguments, and they're they're well justified. DK Metcalf is expected to participate in the offseason workouts in Seattle. I, I you know, look at, and I don't know. He just assumes he's indestructible or whatever. But you get yourself injured, and you're going to hurt. You, number one, you're withholding services, which is a positive. You're fully within your rights to not participate in voluntary workouts, and you're protecting yourself. So I think it's smart for Samuel Brown and McLaurin to take that step back and not do anything at all off-season or beyond until they get what they have earned. And, Chris, I, we, haven't, we don't have this on the rundown, but I, I just want to mention this very briefly. There was a video from Debo Samuel that was posted on Friday pointing out that he's having people show up in his direct messages Ridiculous. on social media Ridiculous. with death threats and racial remarks. And it's funny to see people say, those aren't real fans of the 49ers because real fans don't act that way. Real fans do act that way. That's the problem. Yeah, that's Because crazy. they feel entitled. They feel entitled. To, and I think we have something coming up on that later in the program. But they feel like because they're a fan, they have a right to be mad at a guy who's disrupting their ability to fully enjoy their team. You know, just take what, just take what they give you and don't cause problems because we don't want to think about a holdout of Debo Samuel. We don't want to think about a trade of Debo Samuel. We need the player on the field, so we are going to get mad. So don't tell me that 49ers fans aren't doing it. And I'm not saying it's unique to 49ers fans. No, there are fans of every team that would act that way because what happens? We say this time and again, they line up behind the laundry, not behind the players when you get into a financial fight like the one that Samuel is clearly in with the 49ers. Yeah, it's disgusting. It is. It's just it's it's gross that people just go that go to the, go to those lengths to say and do those type of things. And what I don't understand it is how it's all legal. I don't understand. I don't understand how you can say those things to somebody in their face and go, "Well, we could press charges," but you're allowed to hound somebody on social media and tell them they'll kill you and go after you. And we just go, oh, "It's social media, big deal." It's it's weird, and it has to be fixed in the society. It's just not cool. I don't understand how that's legal. You're allowed to make death threats over. He could be living down the street. You don't know. I mean, what what, what is that? That's it's a bunch of bull crap. We got to fix that as a country, definitely. I remember when it happened to Kyle Williams, the former 49ers receiver, yeah, after right. he muffed a couple the punts, of punts in right. the NFC Championship. Yeah. And, and it's like, well, they're going to prosecute, and they didn't. And why would you not prosecute? How is a death threat that is communicated over social media no different than sending someone a letter to their house or showing up at the front door or seeing them out in public and saying, I'm going to kill you? Yeah, How I is don't that get any that. different? Right. I don't, I don't get, that. get it either. No. Okay, and, good. Um, uh, what else am I going to say? Damn it. We were, we're on such a roll that I completely lost my point. But the bottom line is something needs to be done about it. Oh, oh, there was a, a gambler who got prosecuted because he was making these threats involving guys who played on teams he was betting for or against. 
Like that was his way to muscle them. Like I got money on you. It was it wasn't NFL teams. I don't think maybe it was some Patriots players before Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was some Patriots players before Super Bowl Fifty Three. But that was his way to kind of you know will things his way, make threats against players, family members of the teams he was betting on to make sure those guys went out and played hard. He did get prosecuted, and if if he if he did. Why not anyone else that makes those threats? Just because he has a financial incentive to do it, that's not the problem. The problem is the threat, making someone think that someone's out to get them. That That's against the law, and it should be addressed appropriately. Let's go ahead and take a break. AFC South draft needs when this Monday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There's the AFC South, how it finished last year. The Titans won the division and ended up with the number one seed in the entire conference. The Colts doing everything they can to catch them. The Texans and the Jaguars, well, at least you tried. Okay, let's, uh, let's focus on the top two teams for now. We'll get, we'll get to the Texans and the Jaguars. We'll get to you. We're, we're not going to ignore you all together. But we're going to do a quick little segment here focusing on the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts, Chris. Let's start with the Titans. They have the 26th overall pick in the draft. Seven total picks. They can't leave the 2022 draft without what? Yeah, it's a good – I mean, they're they're interesting in the fact that I don't look at them and go, oh, wow, there's like some glaring, glaring need on their football team. I don't, I don't look at it that way. I think there's a few that jump out to me. I'm going to kind of just talk it out a little bit. I mean, wide receiver depth, certainly. I think that could be something. But they got Robert Woods and, hey, A.J. Brown, we know with the contract situation. But, I mean, really there's there's not much – you know, after that group there that you can really hold on to there. So I could certainly see that being. And then, you know, you do look at them and go, okay, you know, even though their O-line is good, you know, Roger Saffold's gone. Lawan's getting up there a little bit in years. You know, they missed on, they lost Jack Conklin in free agency. They missed on a right tackle in the draft. So I guess what I would say, if I went for the whole draft, I would probably go offensive line where I'd say that's it's a position that I think with the way they play Derrick Henry at running back and uh, Mike Vrabel football. Yeah, I, I guess I would look at that as being the number one issue for their football team. You know, I think they need to develop a quarterback behind Ryan Tannehill. That's true, sure. I think he's getting closer to the end, even though he's only been around 10 or 11 years and we see guys playing deep into their 30s and beyond. I just don't think that he's going to be good enough to keep that job in Tennessee at the level they want the quarterback play to happen. A lot of it depends upon what they think of the quarterbacks that are available. Hey, they also need a Derrick Henry backup yeah. because Deontay Foreman emerged last year as the real deal and they did not keep him and that that's a hole to fill because that that kind of fell out of the sky for them last year they need to have i don't think they can now i'm sitting here questioning myself i remember seeing him signing with someone else tell me if i'm wrong anybody but if he's he's i don't know why i'm i don't know why i'm feeling wobbly maybe it's all the chocolate i had yesterday chris he's gone right he is gone i just can't think yeah, of okay. it i'm pretty sure well i can't remember where he went i can't remember where he went that's why i'm, I'm doubting no, myself no, i can't but, either but i'm gonna look it up too right now just because i right. can't take it okay go ahead you keep talking. if he's if he's not there they need to replace him but the quarterback position, which I already mentioned, I, I just feel like, you know, sometimes you have a guy who gets you as far as he's ever going to get you. 
and he's yeah, going to keep. I it's like you. the Kirk Cousins dynamic. He's you're never going to get any farther. This is the ceiling, and you're not going to punch through it with that guy. And I feel like that's where they are with Ryan Tannehill. So it's time to start thinking about a future, whatever that future is. And again, it hinges on what they think of the guys in the draft pool. Yeah, no question. I I, I understand that. I could see them, you know dabbling in a, a second, third round quarterback, maybe something to look at. It was going like, maybe we can bring this guy up to be the guy the next year or two. I don't think it's crazy. Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers. Now, I was just me. about to Carolina tell you. Panthers. Yes, I know. Thank Carolina you. Panthers. Yeah. So yeah, right. that, that, and you're right. He's got value, but yeah, there's, there's, that's too important of a position. Again, like you're saying, as far as running back, you want to have that guy. If you're going to be based in, in, as far as running physicality, that makes a lot of sense, you know, but I mean, you look at their team, John Robinson's done a pretty damn good job of putting, you know, rounding out a really good roster. I, I don't look at them right now and have too many holes. Like, I, I think everything we're talking about a little bit is just icing on the cake. They were the number one seed in football, and they had the most injuries in the history of the sport. Uh, that just tells you what the roster is, really. So, th- to me, yeah, I, I mean, I think you said it. Yeah, another quarterback, another running back, another receiver to add to the group like we talked about. You know, middle linebacker maybe, but not really. I mean, there, there's not much to look at to go, oh, wow, you know, here's a spot that the Titans definitely got to hit. I, I don't see that on their roster. I don't. All right, the Indianapolis Colts who picked up Matt Ryan that with for only a third-round draft pick. They added Stephon Gilmore recently, the 2019 Defensive Player of the Year. They have no first-round pick thanks to the failed Carson Wentz. Isn't that the worst of both worlds? You bring in Carson Wentz with a trigger that puts your first-round pick the following year in play based upon how much he plays. He plays enough that you lose the first-round pick, but you still can't wait to run him out of town. Yeah, That is the ultimate double whammy, but they don't pick until number 42. They have seven total picks. They can't leave the 2022 draft without addressing what? I think the uh, hands-down here to me is, is the wide receiver position. Uh, I just look at them and go, I don't know if it has to happen at the second, but somewhere in the second, third round, I, I got to look at it that way. Pure numbers. There's nobody dependable on the roster other than Michael Pittman Jr. You know, they got a lot of other guys as far as Paris Campbell. We discussed, I think, a little last week. Superstar potential. Kid they drafted at Ohio State. Can't stay healthy. You know, after that, you're getting into a lot of, you know, hey, Kiki Kute. From the Houston Texans, slot receiver, but a lot of other guys that are unproven commodities. So I look at that to go, man, they got to make it work with Matt Ryan. The old line's in a good spot. We know they got the running back. They need another weapon or two at the wide receiver position to round out the offense, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, they got to be thinking quarterback, too. And yeah, they, they, they were could, yeah. going to take a look at Desmond Ritter recently. Private workout. Private workout different from the visit. The visit means. The guy comes in and he basically you interview him. He gets to see the place. You get to talk to him a little bit more. Private workout means you go to him. You take a group to him. You can't work him out at your building unless he's a local guy. It gets a little complicated, but the bottom line is they went to Cincinnati or they are going to Cincinnati to work out Desmond Ritter. They got to be thinking about at some point getting off of this train of just grab whatever veteran is available. We got a pretty good yeah, team. Right. We think we're going to contend. Let's go get Phillip Rivers. All right, now we got a pretty good team. We think we're going to contend. Let's go get Carson Wentz. Or we got a pretty good team. We think we're going to contend. Let's go get Matt Ryan. At some point, you got to build something. And, yeah. And yeah. Uh, and you 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 know you do the work 
on the guys that are available. And, hey, if these quarterbacks are going to slip through the cracks, if they're not going to be regarded as round one material and there's going to be guys slipping around two, that could be where the action is, and that's where the Colts are. No doubt. Ritter's that guy that you, you, like, you, you look at and go, wait, he's not ready now, you know, and he's not going to be ready next year. But maybe in two or three years from now, he can be something. The guy himself is a quarterback. He knows how to lead men. You could tell he's got Mike just being around him. And even from what I've heard in, you know, Rumorville NFL, he's got it as far as being able to relate and talk to coaches and players. And people love that about him. And then, of course, you know, he's got pretty good size. And we know he's a good athlete. And the throwing is underwhelming. But there are throws to where you go, oh, well, that was good there. So you go, hopefully we can get that guy consistently. You know, Ritter is that guy that you take a chance on, in my opinion, maybe in the second or third round to be something in the future, certainly. Uh, but the Colts, another team like the Titans, Mike, you know, I think, I, I think we're in agreement. You look at them and you just go, roster's pretty damn good. You know, I look at wide receiver, need another guy there. I look at corner, right? They traded Rocky Asin. You know, they don't have the same group there. To me, they need another corner as well. Maybe that's what I should have said. But corner or receiver are the two spots I look at that they, they definitely – and they forgot about Gilmore this weekend. So what it's not as desperate. Is that, it's, yeah, but it's, it's not like he's got a ton of gas left in the tank. No, right? but he's seen some slippage and some yes, health issues. Right. It, yes, no, no question. He's not the same guy he was two, three years ago. Definitely not. He's not in the top corner in football conversation anymore, no. But he is still good, and I do think it – it makes them not have to be maybe desperate at the top of the second to go corner if they didn't want to. Or maybe that's why the move they made there. Maybe there's somewhere else they want to address there so they get Gilmore to go. Now we can use, what was that, pick 43, I think, or somewhere in that Two. range? Two. 42. Yeah, that, that they can use that for somewhere else they, they deem necessary, maybe that wide receiver. Texans, Jaguars, you get your spot under the draft needs microscope. Woo, woo, woo. The Live continues right after this. They both need everything. Next <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the AFC South draft needs, starting with the Houston Texans. They have the third and the 13th pick in the draft, 11 overall selections. They can't leave the process without addressing what, Chris? I think the one thing that jumps out to me more than anything is like a, a real edge def- presence, difference maker, guy coming off the edge more than anything. You know, My thing with the Texans, though, is where there's a very good chance that the two best edge guys in the draft are gone one, two. And now I don't think there's a guy worth their number three. I mean, certainly not. I would not touch Kayvon Thibodeau in the number top five pick. I mean, I, as you've heard me say. So edge and then O-line. And I think they're going to be able to address both of them at picks three and 13. I'm just going to be interested to see kind of what order they go in, Mike. I think they're going to be on the take the kid from North Carolina State offense alignment, Iki Ekwanu, sorry. I think he'll be the guy. That makes sense to me. You know, they got an offensive line that's, yeah, they got Tunzel. They got Marcus Cannon at right tackle. It's going into year 11, you know. They got two younger guards who are solid but not special. This kid is, like, really, really damn good. I, I, I could see them going that way. You build a team from the inside out, not yeah. from the outside in, and they have so many needs there that what you need is the defensive line and the offensive line, and you work your way out, and you worry about the luxury additions later. And I think it makes sense yeah. to take best available edge rusher or offensive lineman with that third overall pick, or or 
if there's an opportunity to trade down, and yeah. there's always teams that want to trade down, it's hard to find that team that wants to trade up. But if the third guy left is someone that someone farther down in the top 10 just has to have, and you can get more lottery tickets, more picks to help you build your team at low cost relative to what veterans would cost you, then I would do that too. Yeah, and, uh, I think so too. And just keep working my board and keep adding bodies and hope that enough of them coalesce into a team that becomes better than what it's been. Yeah, I agreed. You know, there's a lot of they got a lot of like as we discussed I think during the combine a little bit, a lot of good B and B plus players as depth and things like that. They need difference makers now at least when you look at them. Guys that, you know, yeah, it's the fourth quarter and this guy can make a play. It doesn't have to be served up on a silver platter for him. You know, they don't have too many of them on either side of the ball. And that to me is where, you know, they're missing some some juice, but you know, like you said, there's a lot of holes on this team. This is a total rebuild effort that Nick Casario took over two years ago. I think they're in the right direction. Uh, but, yeah, he's going to go old school New England way, I would think, and, and build from the inside out like you're saying. Jaguars tried to buy their way out of dysfunction in free agency, but they still have plenty of draft picks, 12 in all, tied with the Chiefs for the most entering the three-day affair that starts 10 days from now. And the Jaguars also have the second or the first overall pick for the second straight year, not the second overall pick for the first straight year. First overall pick for the second straight year, not a good sign. Good to have the first pick, not good to have it two straight years. What do they need more than anything else Gosh, in this draft process? I, I, I mean, they're not in a bad spot either here. Uh, I, I, you look at their team again. I know it's a lot of unproven commodities, but I don't look at like any area to go. Oh my gosh, this is really horrible. They got they got an issue here. I don't. I mean, yeah, they just got to get it all together. But you see young talent in certain spots. I you know, it it's wide receiver maybe to round out the group a little bit as far as just the draft in totality. All right, maybe another O-lineman to add some depth and stuff, but they got guys there. It's not like the worst group in the world. You know, I mean, I obviously think they're they're going to take uh, Aiden Hutchinson with number one pick, but, you know, they did a good job of addressing a lot of needs in free agency and have some young guys from last year's draft to where you think they're going to come up the ranks a little bit. So, um, I mean, that's the one, but I definitely think they're going to go Aiden Hutchinson, pick number one as far as the draft's concerned, Mike. There's some chatter out there that Doug Peterson, the new head coach, wants them to go offense with the first overall pick in the draft. And I always kind of tune out that noise this time of year because there's always agendas and objectives. And I'm sure they'd love to trade down a couple of spots and still get a difference maker at pass rusher if they could. At some point, they got to work on that defense. Yes. They kept Cam Robinson around. Um, they, 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 well, it's still two sides to the coin yes you got to have talent on both sides of the ball and they really could use a high-end edge rusher now that they have fallen into the the position where they can go get one yeah i, I mean you know they 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 got josh allen from kentucky the other josh allen right and they have caleb on chase on who they drafted at like pick 18 or 19 two or three years ago from lsu the joe burrow draft as a defensive but he's a smaller type of guy you know, he's he's more of a speed rusher type of guy there. So that's, you know, I, I understand. And with the way they're going to play D, again, they're they're taking the Buccaneers and Todd Bowles and that kind of scheme over there. I would think they want more JPP type defense ends. And that's where Aiden Hutchinson certainly comes into play. 
The you know we talked about wide receiver a little bit with them. I don't think that's huge. The other thing, Mike, too, that does jump out to me is is his defensive tackle. That'd be the other one I wrote down. Uh, there are some good players there, but man, Mike, man, if they do trade down to what you're talking about and maybe get down a few spots, the two Georgia D tackles, n- n- both of them are top ten picks, both of them. So, I mean, Georgia has three defense alignment that, in, in my opinion, if they all went in the top 10, I'd go, I got no problem with that. So that could be something you look at, too. You look at their defensive roster and go, eh, maybe if they didn't want to go the edge guy, the D-tackle guy could be something they do, too. Reminds me of the NC State. Was it NC yeah. State in 2006? Right. Didn't they have three first-rounders well, on the defensive line We had Clemson year? a few years ago had the three first-rounders, right, with the um, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, and Cullen Farrell, who shouldn't have been a first-rounder, but the Raiders gave them the honorary option there. And so there was that, right? Uh, NC State did have the Bradley Chubb. It was Mario Williams. No, NC State had Mario Williams. 2006, they had three first-rounders. I'm going to look it up during the break. We'll forget by the time we come back. But they had three first-rounders off the defensive line, led by Mario Williams, first overall pick in 2006, to the point where it's like, how did they not have, like, a dominant team? Like, anytime you see this cluster of great players coming from one program, like, how in the hell weren't they better? than they were, but it just shows you, you can't just have a couple of great players here. Right, you have right. pretty damn good players all over the place. But uh, the Jaguars trying to get to the point where they have pretty damn good players all over the place. Let's take a break in a show that's kind of all over the place. And we're definitely going to go to a new place here. We got some thoughts about something that happened yesterday involving Kyrie Irving and some Boston fans who were giving him the business. He gave the business back. When is it fair game? for a pro athlete to give this give the business back to those who are letting him hear it during a game. We'll have a little discussion about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Kyrie Irving was back in Boston last night for the first round of the NBA playoffs. He was seen several times giving Boston fans the one, or as the case may be, double-barreled salute in response to chants along the lines of Kyrie sucks. Obviously, there's a history there. He was with the Celtics. He said he publicly publicly said he wanted to sign long-term with Boston, then changed his mind and headed to the Brooklyn Nets. Here's Irving after the game talking about his decision to show a finger or two to the Celtics fans. It looked like there were a couple times where you gave the fans the, the finger. I'm curious, was there anything that you thought crossed the line today, and are you the kind of guy that gets motivated by kind of going back and forth with the fans? Do you kind of use that internally as uh, something to fire you up? Look, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, where I'm from, you know, I'm used to all these antics and people being close nearby. Um, you know, it's nothing new when I come into this building, what it's going to be like, but it's the same energy they have for me, and I'm going to have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to attack every fan, every Boston fan, but, um, you know, when people start yelling, all this stuff is but so much you can take uh, as a competitor. And, um, you know, we're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach. No, that's the playoffs. This is what it is. You know, I have I know what to expect in here, and it's the same energy I'm giving back to them. It is what it is. I'm not really focused on it. It's fun. You know what I'm saying? And like, like again, this, where I'm from, I, I've dealt with so much. So coming in here, it, you relish it as a competitor. And, and this is, uh, you know, I'm going to keep repeating myself when I say again, but this isn't my first time in TD Garden. So what you guys saw and what you guys think is as entertainment or the fans think is entertainment, 
all is fair in competition, you know. So if some somebody's going to call me out of my name, I'm going to look at them straight in the eye and see if they really about it. Most of the time they're not. I like that ending point. Most of the time they're not. That's yeah. right. It's one thing to heckle and give the finger and give the business to a guy who's participating in a sporting event. When he turns around and gives it back to you, that's when you pee down your leg. So, look, I, I don't know what the right balance here is. But I got a problem with fans thinking that paying the money to show up for a game gives them the birthright to say whatever they want yeah. and do whatever they want right. and throw whatever they want at the players. And we've seen a pushback against that in recent years where fans are being held accountable for misbehavior. But I, I don't have a problem with a little mm-hmm. fighting fire with fire. Yeah, I don't. I'm with you. I like what he said. I mean, really, in a lot of ways. And and to me, uh, again, I'm, I'm from New Jersey like Kyrie Irving. That's the Jersey State bird. So, I mean, we, we show that finger as much as we say hello to each other in that state. That's just what it goes down. Anybody who knows me knows that. But like, so, but to me, that doesn't cross the line. Not for what that was right there. It does not cross the line. It does not, you know. And again, even with the fans, I can deal with that. Fans, hey, you suck, you know. Hey, blah blah blah, all that kind of crap. That's cool. We start getting to personal stuff, and like stuff. That's when you cross the line. Or of course, racism. That's crossing the line. You know, Kyrie giving it back to them, giving them the finger, whatever. Tell them to shut up, eat that. I don't know. Come on. That's sports. I, I mean, I don't know. I've had that at every level. High school basketball game. I had, you know, other high school kids yelling that at me. You suck. Your dad sucks. You can't make a shot. You know, you're overrated. Great. I hit a shot. Hey, eat that. Shove it up where the sun don't shine. I don't know. That's part of football, sports altogether. So, I didn't think they crossed the line, and I thought it was well said by Kyrie Irving there. The problem is you don't want it to escalate. No, You don't want the player to do something that causes the fan to go farther. And the next thing you know, you got malice in the palace, which is still one of those moments where when you see it, you can't believe (laughs) it happened. But then then you wonder, like, how how does that not not happen happen more more often? Right, right. And then I think back to the moment when – Mike Milbury went up into the stands and beat a fan with his own shoe back when Milbury was playing hockey, I think, for the Boston Bruins. So uh, it, it's it's important to keep the right balance, and Irving undoubtedly will be fined for what he did. But you're in a much more confined environment when you're playing basketball yes. than really any other sport. Hockey, there's the glass that's separating you. It's not the same basketball there's no buffer it's a small arena and there's no buffer and you're right there and I don't know how you can expect players to not react in some way to constantly hearing the verbal abuse to constantly seeing the New Jersey State bird I don't know how you can react in any way other than human at some level yeah you can't be a robot all the time right there's a point where it pierces through uh, no, no amount of sports psychology is going to allow you to be able to take that kind of abuse all the time. And, um, and again, if we say we care about the mental health of players, we do have to remember, even when it is the best player on the visiting team, there, there is a line that you probably should not cross. Yeah, there, there is. I mean, and hopefully the fans and players can do their best not to cross that line. I, I was watching that game yesterday. 
I, I didn't think it crossed the line. I thought it was just right. I went, oh, here's you know a bunch of jerks from Boston talking to a jerk from New Jersey. That goes just right. They're like the same animal. Uh, so I, I understood that to me. But, yeah, you don't want it to escalate and have some other issue or anything like that. Um, and, and to the NBA's point, Mike, I think this goes on a little bit more than the NBA's smart. They don't have mics all over the court like the football. So there's a lot of clips you can watch every week of so, on social media of like an NBA player looking over at a fan in the first or second row and like, hey, shut the hell up, or hey, you're an idiot, you don't know what you're talking about. That does go on, but this was a big playoff game and there's history, and I think it got blown out a little more than, than normal. Before we take a break, I just have to point out one story that resonates with me four years later to prove how casually and excessively you display the New Jersey State Bird. We were at the Mall of America for our PFT setup. That's where all the media <laughs> outlets were for Super Bowl 52. And over across the way, there was a Bleacher Report set up, and right. some of your friends were over there. And you start doing this, firing off the Bud Adams <laughs> double-barreled <laughs> middle finger. And we turn and look, and there's an elderly couple standing there watching, and you're like, Sorry. Oh, that's okay. They're my friends. <laughs> They're my friends. That's how I say hi. <laughs> that's right. Hello, Let's friends. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Uh, we'll wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this. USC receiver Drake London says he will not run the 40-yard dash before the draft. Teams can watch the film to see what he can and can't do. He visits the commanders this week. Chris, I love it when players yeah. say, I'm not doing anything more. Go watch the film. You got any questions about me? Watch the film. I've already done it for two years, three years, sometimes four years. Your thoughts on Drake London not running the 40? I, I hear you, Mike. I, there's no issue there with me either. I don't. I'm not mad at guys. Now, I will say what's different about his case here in a little bit is the speed is probably the number one question around him involved in the draft. You could see, Mike, right? You're watching this. This guy's a giant of a human being. And look how he sticks his foot in the ground and how quick his feet are. He's phenomenal route runner for his size. And, Mike, with, like, 50-50 jump balls, it's, like, 90-10. It's not 50-50 or it's 80-20. He is amazing that way. It's a really damn good football player. But, yeah, this is a calculated one where you just go, wait, they question it, but how much do I have to gain or lose by not running it? And I think he had more to lose than to gain in this scenario because I think a lot of people look at him as a sure pick, top 20 pick, really. And that's the strategic decision that yeah. every player has to make. You're making business decisions. What's right for me? Do I run and hurt myself? Do I run and help myself? Do I do nothing? And what's the impact either way? And, and remember, how you run in a straight line with no pads only means so much. I think Jerry Rice ran a four five eight. Something like that, being, right. Yeah. He ended up being pretty good. Yeah, well, I, I mean, yeah, he ran he four five eight, but every time he that. caught a slant going down the middle of the field, nobody could catch him. So he ran as fast as he had a freaking have to. I watched it too many times watching Giants players going, wait, he's faster than Jerry Rice. Why is he not catching him? I don't understand that. So you're yeah. right. There's something to that. You put the pads on, and also you put a ball in the guy's hands. That changes their it does. their running style. That yeah. changes. You're carrying something. You're not going to run the same way that you would run if it's a if it's a, a track meet. So, some guys are faster when it's time to get in that spot. They no find a, a a a better reservoir of will to run faster. Sure. You just don't know it until they do it. Yeah. So anyway. No doubt. I, I appreciate any and all strategic business decisions made by the players as the draft approaches. It's here in 10 days. We'll continue to get you ready. Now go take your shirt off and get in front of the mirror and do that Eastern damn dance for the for show PM, tomorrow. PM. See Bye. ya.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.